0: Hello, and thank you for joining us for a Mindful Moment. There's never been a better time to build your mindfulness skills. Mindfulness not only improves your mental, emotional, and physical well-being, but provides a foundation for remaining calm during stressful and challenging events. Through mindful thoughts and actions, we can do more than just survive life's challenges. We can continue to thrive. The key to becoming more mindful is simply practice. We hope this podcast will provide you with knowledge, inspiration, and motivation. Working together, we can learn and grow from any experience. So, let's get started. I've been giving a lot of thought to Dr. Stoddard's message last week around The Me I Want to Be. I am no stranger to transforming myself into a sometimes better, sometimes worse self. Usually that change is sparked by some event, like loss of a family member, a personal crisis, a move to another state, or a health issue. This pandemic shutdown has been completely different. Over the last few months, I think I know the me I want to be, and then so much time passes, I change my mind and start moving in a different direction altogether the monotony of the days is getting to me a little bit as well. Get up, shower, prep food, cook breakfast, clean up, work, prep food, cook lunch, clean up, work, prep food, cook dinner, clean up, work, get ready for bed, watch TV, sleep, do it all again the next day. On the evenings I feel like I just can't stand one more minute of boredom. I start looking for something to do which includes occasionally eating some Ben & Jerry's ice cream. So decadent, and at least exciting for my taste buds. But is that ice cream helping me be the me I want to be? Pre-pandemic, I had started in earnest to release all of the extra pounds I've put on over the past several years. By last fall, I had dropped 13 of the 25 I wanted to release. Yay me! Then I got sick in November and stopped going to the gym. Then it was the holidays. Then it was a flurry of business activity at the beginning of the year. I finally got back to the gym in February and promptly hurt my knee, so had to back off again to allow it to heal. I had gained back a few of the pounds I had let go, but I wasn't overly concerned. And then the shutdown happened. Now, three and a half months later, I've gained another six. My B&J half-baked diversion may seem like a very bad idea in light of my physical goal, but I'm not sure it's bad for my mental health, which is equally important. Mindfulness is awareness, and I am really very aware when I reach in that freezer that the cold bites of brownie, chocolate ice cream, and raw cookie dough are going to be wonderful, but with a price and I think that's important for whatever any of us are doing to cope with these circumstances. I think instead of doing something and then judging ourselves harshly about it afterwards, it's much healthier to be cognizant of why we're doing something, which is usually to escape discomfort and to accept that it's normal, but that we're also responsible for the consequences. As human beings, we all have compulsive behaviors so the key is to better understand them and determine if they're serving us or not. It's also important to observe our behaviors within the context of our overall goals and how we plan to achieve them. So back to the me I want to be. My original desire to release excess weight was because that weight was beginning to cause problems with my knees, which have never been the strongest part of my body. And over the past few months, Limping or walking awkwardly in order to relieve pain in my knees has caused my hips to start hurting. And three and a half months of sitting in front of a computer on Zoom all day has greatly increased the pain in both of my legs to the point that I'm having difficulty with mobility, and the pain is drastically interfering with my sleep. So I sort of woke up a couple of weeks ago and thought, enough. It's time to get back on track for both my physical and emotional well being. I started walking a mile a day. I'm doing exercises with a video since I can't go to the gym. I'm making myself stretch at various intervals throughout the day. And most importantly, I'm returning to what I know works in navigating my own transformation. I'm reestablishing my internal guidepost. An internal guidepost is based on values and purpose. I don't believe we're just born, struggle to mature for the first 20 years or so, work another 40 years, retire, and then die. That just doesn't make sense to me. The alternative, then, is to believe that we're here for a reason. I think that means we have to figure out why we're here and that well-being is optimized when we are actually serving that purpose. I also believe that our purpose changes over time, perhaps as we achieve certain goals or realize that we may have been on the wrong path for a while. Perhaps it also changes when a new need or calling arises. For a long time, I felt my purpose was to be the perfect wife and mother. That failed sort of spectacularly after about 20 years. But after wandering with no purpose for a few years, I realized that there were many important lessons in that experience. I worked on finding my new purpose, which ultimately became a purpose of being of service. For quite a while, I didn't know how to be of service, but that purpose felt right then, and actually still does. I've honed in on how I can be of service over the last 10 years, and when I'm doing it right, it feels good. It gives my life meaning, which all studies indicate increases our sense of happiness and wellness. When I meander off the path of my purpose, I feel that too. My life doesn't seem to be full of meaning, but just a series of monotonous actions that aren't moving me in any direction. Kind of like now. Hence, my return to my internal guidepost. Now here's how this works for me. For every decision I make, and believe me, we make hundreds a day, I measure my potential decision against my internal guidepost. Will this move me closer to or further away from being of service, for example? Being of service for me means taking actions that best serve me or others or the greater good. If I'm asked to teach something to a group, I consider if teaching that topic is moving me closer to or away from my purpose. Usually the answer is closer. If I'm offered a contract for specific services, is it moving me closer to or further away from that internal guidepost, which I picture like a literal rod residing in the center inside me? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. I've turned down offers that other people do not understand, but I'm making my decisions based on my purpose, not on money or on what other people think. When recently approved for an emergency disaster loan in light of the pandemic, I originally thought, of course, due to the uncertainty about the economy. Whoops! I knew right away that I had just moved away from my guidepost. I don't really need the money, so why add a financial burden that would only cause me worry or influence future decisions due to that obligation? I thought about it for a week, noticed that each time I thought about it, I had a physiological response that was not pleasant and called the SBA to withdraw my application. I immediately felt good again. Now that money was freed up for a business that might really be struggling, and I don't have a whopping debt over my head, even if it was a good interest rate. When I reach for the Ben & Jerry's, closer to or away from my guidepost, it actually varies. Sometimes, feeling better emotionally or experiencing pleasure helps me move closer to my purpose. And other times not. That's the beauty of mindfulness. When you're truly aware of your thoughts and feelings, you can make decisions that usually serve you best. Last night, I had my B&J. This morning, I still feel okay about it, so no real harm done. Of course, that's not always the case. As we struggle with monotony, fear, anxiety, frustration, and more during this period of upheaval in our society, threats to our health from the increased spread of the virus, and constant uncertainty about our futures, most of us are turning to something to alleviate all of these unpleasant feelings, at least sometimes. An occasional dip into the ice cream tub or an extra glass of wine at night aren't permanently moving us away from our internal guideposts but left unchecked, i.e. behaving mindlessly, can absolutely derail us not only from serving our purpose, but from enjoying good health, well-being, and living joyfully. We can also numb ourselves to the point of losing sight of our purpose or preventing ourselves from finding a purpose, which ultimately results in an inability to find meaning in our lives. Many people have not yet identified their purpose in life, which is normal amidst all of the distractions we live in. But perhaps more importantly, many people aren't aware of the obstacles they may be creating that will prevent them from ever doing so. There is a difference between comforting behaviors that we engage in occasionally to compulsive behaviors that may be throwing us completely off our game. I asked Rachel Graham, TEDx speaker, leadership coach, Health entrepreneur and founder of the Healing Springs Ranch in Texas for her thoughts on this in a recent interview. Hi, Rachel. Welcome and thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited
0: to talk to you today about the work that you do because I think the past three months, a lot of people have spent time either looking inward and maybe not liking everything they see or thinking about how they want their life to be in this new world that seems to be emerging. And I know that a lot of them are not sure where to start. I know you do a lot of work with people around uh, finding purpose and meaning and making those changes in their lives. And I was wondering if you could share some information about that with our
1: listeners. Absolutely. So my background, I actually, I have a couple of different things that I do, but one of them, and, and this is kind of where it started and what kind of led me into a broader speaker platform out there is I worked together with a couple of other partners and we co-founded a residential treatment center for addiction and basically both chemical and process addiction. So processes of behavior as you're probably familiar with that we do compulsively that's causing us issues. And so in the process of setting that up, one of the things that, and really why I went into this industry because I was not in this industry, I went into it to be a catalyst for change because I had a loved one go through treatment. And while they taught him how to manage the, the behavior to the extent of don't go here and that won't happen, don't buy this and that won't happen. I really and truly, we call it white knuckling it. That's white knuckling it through things. And the reality of it is that only lasts for so long. I mean, think about how many times we've all set up on January 1st, New Year's resolutions. We're gonna go exercise and for two weeks, man, we are powerhouses at the gyms. By the third week, beep, maybe not so much, by the 4th. And then by February, we're trying to figure out how to cancel our membership, you know? So one of the things that I was studying is really about how do you help someone who's gone through a very challenging event find meaning and purpose and understand why that event could benefit them and what the beauty is in the ugly, so to speak. And so we created a curriculum where we added that to what I would call the traditional rehab treatment and we added this piece that helps people go on a mission and understanding self, figuring out why is this stop at a treatment facility part of my bigger story? What am I supposed to do with that? Because I firmly believe we all have a reason for being on this planet. It's up to us to figure that out. And so to your point, in the difficult times we're all experiencing today, we all, we really don't know where it's going to go. And we may experienced anxiety and depression and what you'll see is those compulsive behaviors of which you said it so beautifully, everybody has. If, if you're a human being, you have one. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, what color, you know, what, what race you are, what nationality, what mother tongue you speak, what continent you live on. We're humans and we share the same human experience. We all bleed red, we have belly buttons, You know, we breathe. And so when you think about that, we all have something we do compulsively and we use that to regulate discomfort. So whether it's physical discomfort, you think about, if I have a headache, I go get something for the headache. But if I'm having emotional discomfort, there's not necessarily a panacea. And I might do some things that I know I shouldn't be doing or things I'm ashamed that I do. And I use that as a coping mechanism to soothe myself. So that, for me, finding meaning and purpose in life and understanding why we use those compulsive behaviors, because too often we focus on them. Think about it, you know, the Ben and Jerry's, okay? So I gained a few extra pounds too during COVID. But my bigger issue is shoes. So I have a shoe collection. I would be embarrassed if you came in my house to see where I stuff it. And I had to sit down and think about why. Why do I have so many pairs of shoes? And they're not expensive shoes, by the way. I'm, it's the thrill of the deal, right? And I was able, once I got still, which I hope people are taking advantage of this time right now to get still. And if there's things that you're, you're questioning why you do that, get still and you'll process it. And I was able to correlate that particular, the shoes, which seems so silly and simple, back to a time when I was a young girl that I felt less than because I didn't have appropriate shoes for a church service on Easter. I was embarrassed. And as a child, you know, we're so easily influenced by peer pressure and those types of things that somewhere in my psyche embedded the fact that if I have the right shoes, I won't feel that feeling. So it's a way to avoid that feeling. So if I'm starting to feel something that's uncomfortable, the shoes tended to fix that. And, you know, people say, well, should you stop the compulsive behavior? Well, I mean, the difference between a compulsive behavior and someone who's in pure addiction needs to probably seek professional help would be when it's causing you legal problems, emotional problems, relationship problems, financial problems, health problems, all of those types of things, and you can no longer manage it. It's grown bigger than you. But I'm really, really am trying to lead the charge to normalize the understanding of addiction and that we all have patterns and too much of it could cause us all kinds of issues in life. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with that. And it's integrated into mindfulness from the perspective that just because you're mindful of what you're doing, you're aware of what you're doing, doesn't mean if it's not good for you, that you're not going to do it every time. It means that you're processing, okay, I know I'm doing this. You're asking yourself as you're doing it, why am I doing this? My Ben and Jerry's, it turned out, was boredom. You know, you need a little quick hit here and there. I don't think that there's any harm in that if it's not causing any major harm to you or other people. So I absolutely agree with that. You know, there's the whole thing going around about COVID-19 with people packing on 19 pounds is a good example that's not healthy. <laughs> and there's probably some other things that are even more harmful that some people are doing just to try to cope with everything that's going on. So what would it look like if someone really wanted to, to change one of these compulsive behaviors? Where would they start or how would, what would the steps be?
1: Okay, so I actually created this acronym called ARCH. So if you think of an ARCH as an like, architectural element in construction It is a support system and it's arched and it's designed to be incredibly supportive and and decorative too at the same time, but mostly the supportive piece of that. And so I came up with an acronym to help people understand really what I believe are the architectural aspects of change. So the, the first thing is the A and the A stands for awareness. You have to first have an awareness about the need to change. So maybe something is uncomfortable, maybe you're spending too much money on it, maybe you can't wear your clothes anymore, and you're worried when you do have to go back to the office you might not be able to get into them. Um, Whatever it might be, you have to first have an awareness about whatever that thing is. Then, when you take a look at that, you look at what the root cause is. We are masterminds as human beings of treating symptoms. We're great at symptoms. What I don't think we excel as much is really looking at the root cause piece of that. There's an underlying issue. Someone is gaining the COVID-19 pounds or drinking too much or spending too much or workaholism is another one. And until you understand what that root cause and what that particular behavior or substance is doing to help you manage that you're, you're really not going to get to the issue. You might be able to fix a few of the symptoms, like go lose weight. You stop eating a little bit too you know, much, but you don't really understand where's that coming from. And oftentimes it's emotional, you know, or it's boredom. It's, you know, so maybe the solution is get active, doing something exciting that doesn't allow you to, to feel that boredom or to embrace the boredom. Boredom's not a bad thing in and of itself. Then the C stands for change. So now you've got to change. So what does that future state look like for you? Um, And understand, I'm here, and kind of in your coaching practice, you probably see that with your clients. You look at someone who's here, and they say they want to be here, and then your job is to help them figure out the steps to get to that destination. So that's the change part of it. And then the H is heal, okay? So people often forget, sometimes you have to grieve even the loss of that behavior or that coping mechanism or whatever that might have been in exchange for something new, And improved and healthier. And so we often forget that stage. And that's really a part of kind of closing the circle on change, really, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. And that's great.
0: And that's an easy acronym to remember. Thank you. You're welcome. There's frequently a misperception that those of us that teach, coach, practice mindfulness, do all of these things, um, don't have any challenges. We don't have problems. We don't get stressed. You know, they think that it's some magical cure for everything, which of course, It's not true. We're all human. So, we're asking each of our guests if they're willing to share what their go to is when they start feeling anxiety rise or they start feeling stress coming on. What's
1: your practice? I'll give you both the unhealthy and the healthy. Excellent. That sounds good. (laughs) So, the unhealthy would be I'm a master of eating my feelings at times. So, I go up and down the same 20 pounds. So, if you watch a podcast of me a few months ago, it looks different than the one you know, recently, whatever the situation may be. And it's the same 20 pounds, like we know each other really, really well now. So that's the one. And then the shoes piece of that, that I mentioned earlier. And so one of the things that I've learned, and I actually learned this um, from a practitioner with the heartfulness way, is really getting present to your point, mindfulness And he actually helped me. I had severe anxiety. I fly for a living. It's not uncommon. Two years ago, I did 200,000 air miles speaking across the globe. So one of the things people don't know about me is I have severe flight anxiety. And the root cause of that was going back to a flight that I had that was very traumatic and the sensations and feelings around all of that and the fear of, of dying in that situation. And so the work I did was understanding that we're all going to die. You know, we're all humans. We're all going to die. That for me, spiritually does not mean it's final, but understanding that piece of it. But then working with a practitioner where we sat under jets, taking off at the airport, I could smell the jet fuel, hear the jets, and envision myself on the plane and whatnot. And once I got at peace with that, I've never had flight anxiety again. And I keep telling people it was a little thing that had a profound impact and it was all really around mindfulness and that as human beings, we don't even understand that we have that power. There's no external person or activity or anything that's going to fix that. It's really about shifting the way you think about something. And like I said, it was a minor thing that had a major payoff for me. And most people don't understand that.
0: Yeah, we focus a lot on perspective, just trying to get people to shift even a perspective because it changes, just that changes everything about the way you look at something. So I absolutely agree with that too. We've got people in flux, right? Everybody, Everyone's in a different position right now. We're all going through the same thing, but at different phases. And I think many people think that they can't really start doing any kind of changes in their life or take action or you know, whatever it is that they're thinking they're going to do in the future because of you know, maybe the shutdown or because they're restricted in where they can go or you know, who they can see or waiting to go back to work, whatever the circumstances are, sort of what they may be seeing as external obstacles. I was wondering if you have any sort of final thoughts or advice for people that really do want to make these changes and are thinking they need to wait until the challenges are over.
1: I'd say jump right in. You know, one of the things that I teach is you cannot level up if you're tethered down and tethered down could be physically, emotionally, whatever it may be. So the first thing I'd be doing is figuring out what I need to cut that's tethering me down so I can level up and you can be making those changes as you go along. You don't have to wait for this big grand moment. I mean, think about this. How often do people say, I'm not going to have children until I'm financially ready? Are you ever really financially ready? No, no get in there and do it, you know? And and you'll figure it out along the way. And so that's what I encourage people to do. I would align myself with people that are at that future state, someone who's maybe even been through it and can understand. I would take full responsibility that I have to be the navigator through this. I am the captain of my ship. It's not anyone else's responsibility to make me happy, to make me not anxious. You know, it's my job. I would start to, for some people, they may need to talk to a professional, whether it's a coach that can help them organize kind of next steps. Because I think too often we get overwhelmed if we're trying to go from here to here. Well, you and I both know as coaches, there's lots of steps in between. And often we don't celebrate those little milestones because we're too busy getting to here. What I would say is have, you sit down and have a real honest conversation with yourself and potentially someone you trust that you feel like can help you. Um, with this, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's coach, whoever, but that you lay out the steps and you celebrate the milestones as you get there. You know, I'm trying to get my COVID-20 off and I'm having to celebrate in five pound increments, you know? So I get excited about the five pounds, whereas before I would be defeated saying it's not the 20, you know? So I think that's a big piece of it, but having a roadmap, you cannot get to a destination if you do not have a map.
0: That is true. And especially I think when we're sort of distracted by external stressors. So we need to know exactly where we're going despite what's happening around us or because of what's happening around us. But if we don't have that sort of mapped out, it's really easy to get distracted, pulled down, self-defeat starts coming into it. So I think that's great advice. If people are interested in learning more about your services and your, your events, how would they reach you or what's the process?
1: They can go to healingspringsranch.com or evolveandtransform.me, and they can read more about not just the addiction piece of it, because that's the Healing Springs, but then also on the coaching and really understanding compulsive behaviors, mindset shifts, the drama triangle, all these things that I also teach within that community at Healing Springs is stuff that all of us really could benefit from. And I wanted to just say one thing real quick to a comment a brilliant comment that you made that too often people think that whether they're clinicians or doctors or coaches, that they're kind of perfect in their practice. None of us are perfect, you know, none of us. And we all have moments of weakness and moments where we kind of delve off of the, the path. But really and truly healing is about recognizing when you're here and getting back on the path. You know, and so I tell that to people that are in recovery of anything, you know, that it's about recognizing, again, the awareness you're off course and getting back on and then continuing your journey. So I I love that you say that. And I think most of us that go into helping professions go into it because we get it, because we probably experience it. We can relate to it. And that's what I think ultimately calls people to helping professions. So I wanted to pay homage to that comment you made, because I think that's important for people to understand.
0: Thank you. I do too. I love the tips and the advice and the wisdom you've shared today that can help people start on their journey if they haven't started or help them move along their journey if they have. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I will say this in closing too, that Joseph Campbell has a great phrase that says, go into the cave you fear the most. It contains the treasure you seek. So change is always has a component of fear. You go through that. That's okay. It happens all the time. It's worth it.
0: I love Joseph Campbell, so that's a great way to end.
1: Thank you so Thank much, Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Bye.
0: Bye. We can all find happiness in life, regardless of our external conditions, once we clear out the internal obstacles and stressors so that we can see clearly, identify our values, and establish our internal guideposts. Will we fall off our path even with the guidepost? Yes, we will. It's the nature of our humanity that we not only make mistakes, but that mistakes are the only way we learn and grow. Mindfulness allows us the ability to look at those mistakes without judgment, but with gratitude for the lessons learned. Take in a deep cleansing breath through the nose, all the way down to the belly. Slowly exhale, the mouth, noticing how the belly contracts as you clear all of the air out of your body. Take a moment to reflect on a recent behavior that may not have been the healthiest choice. First think about it. Did it feel good? What was the behavior addressing? A physical pain? An emotional discomfort? an unpleasant mental pattern? Were there any negative consequences? Now close your eyes or lower your gaze and relax your body. Think about that behavior as you scan your body, looking for any contraction or discomfort. When you think about the behavior, does your stomach clench up a little? Do you feel any tightness in your chest or jaw? Just notice where any tension is being held, and if you find it, Gently release any tightness or contraction and relax. It's natural to try to avoid discomfort. The key is being mindful about the extent of any harm our behaviors may be causing us or others. It can be as simple as taking a few bites of ice cream versus eating the entire pint, drinking a glass of wine versus the entire bottle, shopping for a new pair of slacks versus buying an entire new wardrobe. For any behaviors that move you further away from your internal guidepost, pay attention. Mindfully observe that behavior and begin to take steps that move you back towards your purpose in life, whether on your own or with the help of others. If you don't know your purpose yet, use these experiences to help you identify it. Tuning in to our minds and bodies offers us the gift of recognizing what feels right and what does not which ultimately clarifies the purpose and meaning of our lives. Life offers too many rich opportunities to just survive it, even during challenging times. Our intention is to support you in thriving through a life of purpose and meaning. Until next time, remember to be mindful. To learn more about Rachel and her programs, visit her websites, healingspringsranch.com or evolveandtransform.me. To watch any of our interviews from the podcast, visit our website at worktoliveproductions.com. And join us next week for a deeper dive into finding purpose and meaning in our lives. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please rate this podcast so that others can find us. And follow us on social media at work to live A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee. The Spanish version is translated and recorded by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, Meteorite Productions. Meditation music, Acoustic Meditation Two. By Audionautics. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. Thank you for tuning in.